Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He was ministering in the Spirit, and it didn't matter whether they received it, or rejected it. He was still under the control of the Holy Spirit. How are you and I going to do it? Same exact way. And I want you to write one sentence down this morning before we end. Here it is. It's simple. It's clear. Christ followers, let us be the empowered hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus. In the book of Luke, there are many times where the scripture mentions that Jesus was in the power of the Spirit or returned in the power of the Spirit. Being in close communion to the Holy Spirit was essential to Jesus' success in his ministry. Pastor Mark will be teaching on the necessity of our having the Holy Spirit flowing through us to reach the lost. He will be reminding us that we can't minister to others until we've been ministered to, and that God provides for us and then through us. The Holy Spirit wants to use us to spread the love of Christ, which happens when we allow the Spirit to overflow from us to others. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke with his message, God wants to provide for us and through us. This is the application to the teaching. Jesus is not here anymore. We're his representatives. Number one, Christ followers are the mouth, hands, and feet of Jesus. That's why you're here. You invited with your mouth. Your feet, you went to people. You may have touched people, shook their hand, cried with them last week, whatever. Our videos that are going to go out are going to go out and encourage people. So, number one, you're the mouth, hands, and feet of Jesus. And number two, you have to understand this. You, you can't be that until God touches you. Some of you are not a Christian yet. You maybe didn't make it last week or you weren't ready, but today, ask God to forgive you of your sins and start this thing called the Christian life. Greatest lifestyle in the world. I'll give you an opportunity before we take communion. So I can't minister to other people the truth until I've been ministered to. So God wants to provide for us and then through us. Now, all that happens because of really good stuff. It happens because what you did last week, again, you got out of your comfort zone. You invited people. You served. You ministered. God wanted that. You know, the real reason that last weekend was best weekend we've ever had in this church is because we prayed. Over and over again, we prayed. God honors prayer. He just simply honors prayer. You have a bracelet that says that. Pray first. But see, lots of people forget that the ministry is in the church, but then it's outside the church. 
A healthy church does a number of things. You're here inside these walls for a reason. But ministry, most ministry does not happen inside walls. It happens outside the walls. Look at that as you, as you walk out of that street over there. Look at that. There's homes. There's a workplace. There's a school. Hurting people are in our neighborhoods. They're all over our neighborhoods. They're in schools. You guys are in college and high school. They're all over the place, junior high. They're at the workplace. Somebody walk up to you and say, my husband just walked out on me. Or my wife left me and left me with the kids. We never used to hear that. We hear that a lot now. What's that person? They're broken. They're hurt. Why did they tell you? Because you're the only one that has hope. And you're going to give it to Jesus. And direct them. Pray with them. It'll be a process. So can I challenge you that continue the ministry you've been doing? You guys did great. But Easter's over. But the world isn't over. They're still hurting people absolutely everywhere. They're starving for the truth. We have the only truth. God has given us his word so we can know the truth about life and eternity. Now, what does a healthy church look like? Well, there's actually seven keys in Acts chapter 2. We don't have time to go there. But I just want to show you what the healthy church looks like. Here it is. Number one, we're a learning church. We're here learning together. Amen? What are we learning today? Time magazine. No, we're learning what? The Bible. That's why you want to bring a Bible. You need to know the Bible. That's alive. It teaches us. I'm learning some new things. We have this uh, wonderful young lady, Elena, on our staff, and she's an expert in social media, Facebook, Twitter, all these kind of things. Well, she came to me and said, she's been doing a lot of things, and it helps get people here, because this next young generation, what's it about? Social media, everywhere. And she said to me, I've seen a couple pastors, on a Monday, they do a little uh, summary of the sermon for the weekend, or they do other things. So I said, okay, I'll try it. So this Monday, she came into the office, and I did a, like a, I can't even remember, maybe a three-minute little summary of the Easter service, okay? And I did that on Wednesday. She just had her iPhone there, and I just talked to her and whatever. And, and it, you can go to Calvary, CCM, Facebook, Calvary CCM, not my page, but Calvary's page, and you can see the video. And, and it went up on Wednesday. By Friday, 5,000 people have viewed it. It's a different world. It's a different world. You say, well, did that matter? Well, they got the truth, 5,000 people, that maybe many of them never even been in church. You see, we have to keep learning, right? If you stop learning, you stop living. I heard four people say yes. I don't know. <laughs> Let me read these statistics again. You're going to get, you're going to die like soon, real soon. So we have to understand, by the way, I'm going to do more of those every week. I'm going to do it on my exercise bike. I'm going to do it out in the field over here to shake it up a little bit. Is that all right? Okay. Now, next, it's a loving church. Do you know that people think when they look at big churches, they think it's impersonal and not loving? I want you to understand something. Last week, the 250 or the 100, another 100, 100, whatever, 300, 400, doesn't really matter. Every single one of the 300, 400 is a person that has a name. This isn't numbers. These are people like you and me. We love them because Jesus loved us first. So we're a loving church. Would you just touch your neighbor and say, I'm a loving person. Go ahead. Just, just tell them that right now. Come on. I'm a loving person. 
All right, couples, cut it out. Let's move back to some of the other things. Next, it's a worshiping church. And the worshiping church, aren't you so glad for all of our worship leaders? They're amazing people. The bands and the people, just awesome. It's awesome. And last, see, I can tell you because I've been doing this for many, many years in many different venues. A church that starts going inward is already gone. Thank you for not being an inward church. See, the only church that's healthy is a church that learns inside but takes the truth outside. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's why the church is growing, because we're doing it God's way. Way to go. How are these people going to respond when Jesus says, I am he in his hometown. What's that going to look like? Well, look at verse 22. Initially, pretty good. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So it looks pretty good. But watch what this next statement is. Say what? Isn't this the carpenter's son that couldn't saw a piece of wood straight? He's calling himself the Messiah? So what happened? They moved from faith to what? Doubt. The minute you leave faith, we're in trouble. So they're doubting. They're saying to themselves, there's no way this carpenter, we watched him. We've seen him for 30 years. There's no way. There's no way he's the Messiah. But isn't it strange? You're going to see in a moment, they're going to ask for him to do a miracle. They've already, they've already heard from Capernaum. Miracles everywhere. No, he couldn't be the one. Their eyes are blinded. And you're going to see why. You're going to see why. Now, like many people today, it's pretty much the same thing. They're saying the same. What were these people saying about Jesus? He's not the Messiah. He's just a man. How many of our friends say, Jesus, God, no way. He just was a man that died on the cross, and that's it. No, no, he's risen. He's risen. He is God. So they didn't believe it. That is not the Messiah standing in front of us. Now, Jesus knows what's going on in their minds. Watch what he says in verse 23. And Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you've done or did in Capernaum. Jesus told these people wanted to see what? We don't believe you, but show us a miracle. We just like to see a miracle. We don't believe you at all. And then he kind of comes up with a saying that you're very familiar with. Verse 24. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. Now, look at me and let me explain what Jesus is going to do next. The Jewish people in the Old Testament, they were very fickle people. If you look at the book of Judges, they served God, then they didn't serve God. They served God, they didn't serve God. Just repeated, repeated. Actually, we see that all the way through the Old Testament. The Jewish people would serve God, and then they'd start marrying other people. They'd serve pagans. They'd put idols up. Then they'd repent, come back. So it was just like this all through the Bible. But don't look too bad at the Jewish people, because sometimes what does our life look like? (laughs) Yeah, right. But Jesus is going to point to a time 
See, God sent prophets in the Old Testament to bring the people back to repentance. Many times the prophets were not received well at all. Don't tell me to come to church four weeks in a row. Off with your head. I just threw that in for fun. Now, (laughs) but they try to kill. They try to kill God's prophets because they didn't want to hear. Don't tell me to repent. We're fine. Well, Jesus is going to show up time, two prophets that come during a time when Israel itself was totally godless. They weren't interested in anything. All the people just did their own deal. And watch what Jesus does. He gives, they know this illustration, but they're going to be offended that he, well, kind of directs them in the application to them. Look at verse 25. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel, Jewish widows, in Elijah's time. Elijah was a prophet. Now, Elijah came one day. God said to him, tell him there's no rain for the next three and a half years. Elijah said that. It was God's punishment on the people. And so everybody was suffering. Who would suffer the worst with crops if there's no rain for three and a half years? Widows. Widows. Nobody to work for them, no kids, nothing, whatever. So he says, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah... Elijah the prophet, was not sent to any of the Jewish widows. But you're going to see God sent him to a Gentile widow. But to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Verse 27. And there were many in Israel. Leprosy was a big deal in the Old Testament days. There were many Jews in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, different prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, healed by God, only Naaman, the Syrian, the Gentile. So both the widow of Zarephath and Naaman were Gentiles. Both lived during times of widespread unbelief in Israel. Jesus' point was, watch me, God bypassed the widows and the lepers in Israel, but he showed grace to who? To Gentiles. Now, remember, the Jewish people in this time when Jesus was there, the Jewish people hated Gentiles. They thought they were the scum of the earth. See, the Jewish people were proud people. We have Abraham as our father. You don't have that. God isn't interested in you. But the whole reason God came up with the nation of Israel was to be a light to the pagans. But they failed. Now remember, did Jesus Christ come just for the Jews? How do you know that? God so loved the Jews that he sent Is that the way the scripture goes? God so loved the what? The world. See, Jesus announced that. God announced that in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, there were no Jew or Gentile. They're just people. The nation wasn't even formed yet. So God loved the whole world, but the Jewish people couldn't stand it. They actually called you and I dogs. But Jesus would come to them all. So this is very offensive to them. Hard for us to understand that. You're telling me, Jesus, that... You're here to bless the Gentiles? No way. Look at verse 28. All, how many? Everybody in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. All the Jewish people 
were angry. And mob mentality took over. And they, verse 29, they got up and drove them out of town. There goes the welcome sign. Took them to the brow of the hill on which the town was built. We teach there when we go to Israel. In order to throw him down the cliff. The welcome mat is removed. The town sign is down. The people are against Jesus. By the way, this will be the first of many moments of opportunity where people had a choice, but they refused to believe. I was thinking over the weekend, what if these people would have believed that was the Messiah? Wow! But they refused. What were the disciples learning as they watched this? Here's a crowd that's very, you're here, you love me, everything's going good, and the next thing, you're running me out of town. You want to kill me. Jesus would speak about this a lot because this would happen to his ministry. It would happen to his disciples. Every disciple died except one, John. Every disciple died a martyr for the name of Jesus. Now, what was Jesus saying to his disciples? Later, he'd make this statement. You need to understand it this morning. Here it is. Matthew twelve thirty. He who is not with me is what? Watch me. I want you to, what, what am I doing now? Just say this is a fence right here. This is a fence. What am I doing right now? I'm what? I'm riding. I'm straddling what? The fence. You see, the world likes to say, oh, I believe in God, but I'm not really too much into Jesus. Do you know what Jesus just said? If you're not for me, you're against me. If you're not following me, you're not following me. If you're not following me, you're not going to heaven. You can't love God and not love me. There is no more fence riding. And you saw that in that crowd. Hey, we love you. No, we're going to kill you. They got off the fence. Now, what is that going to do to Jesus? You ever feel rejected? Jesus would understand this principle. Sometimes we don't. See, the defining factor in our world today is not church. It's not the stance on homosexuality. It's not religion. It's not God. Do you know what the defining factor is? The thing that separates everybody? It's the name Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. That's it. One day he would tell the people how clear that looked. Look at it. You know this verse by heart. Jesus answered, I am the way, not a way. Today people say, oh, every road leads to God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's wrong. I am the way. The truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven except through me. He said, Pastor Mark, I don't agree with that. Fine, you're against Jesus. Well, how dare you? No, not how dare me. How dare Jesus? See, you're either for or against. There's no middle ground. There's no fence sitting. There's no trying to, oh, I just want to make sure I love everybody. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. You're either for him. Or you're against him. These people were against him. Now, as you see that, what is Jesus going to do with this? What is God going to do with this? They're trying to kill him. Look at verse 30. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Supernaturally. Naturally. We don't know how that looks. God provides in a miraculous escape as Jesus simply walked through the angry mob. His neighbors of 30 years 
rejected him. How does that feel? John 1 and 11 says he came to his own people and even they rejected him. We've all been rejected. If you've been divorced, you've been rejected. Some of you recently went to try to get this next promotion up here. Five people were after it. You didn't get it. Some of you kids are headed off to college and you sent 12 letters and you're not in any college at all. You've been rejected by all of them. When I was in high school and tried out for the professional football team. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I feel rejected right now. How about the golf team? Does that sound better to you? Yeah, exactly. Rejection hurts. So how is Jesus going to take this? Is he going to say to God, I'm throwing in the towel. I've had it. Or God, just bring fire down. Get rid of them, would you? These are people that don't love you. They don't accept me. No. He's going to go on with ministry. By the way, you're going to get rejected when we mention Christ. You're going to have people make fun of you. We may not be martyred, but there's people every single day in our world being martyred for the name of Jesus Christ. That's the defining factor. So Jesus didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't get angry. How in the world did he react that way when he was so hurt? Not just rejected, but trying to kill him. How did he react? Here's how he did it the right way. The answer is Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. You see, he was baptized in the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was under the control of the Spirit, and he was ministering in the Spirit, and it didn't matter whether they received it or rejected it. He was still under the control of the Holy Spirit. How are you and I going to do it? Same exact way. And I want you to write one sentence down this morning before we end. Please write this down, and I'm going to pray for us. Here it is. It's simple. It's clear. Christ followers, let us be the empowered hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus. Not just the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus. I will never accomplish because the world's against me. God's for me, but the world's against me. I'll never accomplish what God wants. Unless I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered means I'm controlled by the Spirit. I don't let my feelings rule my life. You guys in the balcony understand what I just said to you. It has to be the empowering of the Holy Spirit that changes. It's the empowering. That's why the Spirit-filled life is not an option. It's essential. Because we are going to get hurt. But God heals our hurts. Today we learn the importance of walking in the power of the Spirit, just like Jesus did, and that it's possible for us to do it. All we have to do is be controlled by the Holy Spirit and obedient to His commands. Pastor Mark reminded us that being controlled by the Spirit does not guarantee success. What is important is for us to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit. It's up to Him to determine what success is. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. In the next message, Pastor Mark will be teaching about a day in the life of Jesus. He will be explaining the significance of Jesus coming to earth and what His authority and power means. Pastor Mark will also be teaching about how the needs we have in our church can be met in the person of Jesus and how we, in turn, are to serve the world in the same manner as Jesus did. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.